Welcome back, everybody. On this episode of The Peripheral, we're going to be talking about sexual harassment. On every episode, I always learn something new. This episode is no exception. My guest is Jennifer, who happens to work in male-dominated fields where she has to interact with guys all day who don't seem to be on their best behavior. Before we start, uh, you guys know me, I always want to jump right into the content, but then I feel like I'm not giving thanks and gratitude where it's due, and that comes in the form of my Patreon supporters. First off, Reverend Joe, who happens to be a friend of mine, so thank you, Joe, very much. That's very kind. Fenella, Shane, Melissa, Marissa, Kristen, and I think it's Tracy, but it might be Trace. So I apologize. I'm just not sure how you pronounce it. You guys are keeping the show alive, and I can't thank you enough. Also, thank you to everyone that's been leaving me iTunes reviews, especially the five-star reviews, and even the one-star reviews, because all reviews are good reviews in my mind. I saw the last one-star review was about the Silk Road episode, which happens to be one of my favorite episodes. And when people ask me what episode they should start with, that is one of my go-to recommendations. Brock's story arc of starting to be addicted to opioids and then moving on into heroin and other things. And maybe it's because of my IT background, but I have a fascination with internet scandals and crime. So Silk Road was absolutely up my alley, and his story is inspiring, heart-wrenching, and it's great. I highly recommend, if anyone hasn't listened to that episode, check it out. Getting back to the episode, I don't label myself or align myself with social justice, but I do say that there's a right and wrong way to behave in this world. If you do any of the things described in this podcast... Just know that that's the wrong way to behave. And maybe, just maybe, this will open some men's eyes to their behavior. I did not edit this episode down like I normally would. So there's some uh, sidebars into protecting oneself and some talk about public figures. But I feel it's all relevant, so I left it in. I hope you enjoy. All right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, my name's Jennifer. I work in Kansas City. I have been in the same profession for almost 13 years, and I'm in a field that's predominantly male. So um, sexual harassment in the workplace comes up a lot. Obviously, it's in the news a lot right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. I think um, it's been a couple years since the viral video about um, catcalling went around the internet. I don't know if you ever saw that. but The one in New York. Uh, yeah. There's still, I, I, when it first came out, I thought this has to be eye-opening for a lot of people, probably mostly guys, but there's definitely plenty of women who say, well, you know, it's just a compliment. I don't know why that bothers you, but I mean, it's, it's an unwelcome compliment for one. It's, it's attention you're not seeking and depending on the situation you're in, in a lot of situations, you feel unsafe to say anything. You feel unsafe to speak up because you don't know usually what comes after saying, Hey, I'm not interested. No, thank you. Whatever you say to someone, then you're, you're automatically a bitch. 
you don't know what kind of situation you're in, especially if you're on the street by yourself and someone's cat calling you or making comments to you. Yeah, you don't know how that guy's going to respond. You don't know if they're going to get hostile. Belligerent? <laughs> yeah, hostile? Ho- yeah, exactly. And and when you're by yourself, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? It's just, uh, it's a scary situation. And I think most people don't take it seriously enough when it comes to that. I think uh, a lot of people who do it, the most common thing I hear is that, well, it's a compliment, especially as a female. And I'm sure your wife could tell you the same thing. If if you haven't seen me at my absolute worst, a compliment from a stranger doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't make my day. It doesn't make me feel good. Someone who's seen me at my absolute worst, who knows what I'm really like, those compliments mean something. But if I don't know you, it's unwelcome attention. It's It's harassment. If you consider some of the most, uh, I don't know, perverted or disrespectful catcalling that happens, and if that were to happen to your wife or your daughter, would you appreciate it? It wouldn't be a compliment. Yeah. Would, would, would that man appreciate it now? No. He would say, what the hell did you just say to my wife? And he would be pissed off about it. That's the, the double standard there that people don't seem to get. So yep. You work in IT and sales. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Two very male-dominated brain fart this morning. <laughs> two, <laughs> two very do- male-dominated fields. Yes. I, with I, a lot of crossover with the service industry, which I obviously sexual harassment in the service industry is probably the highest of all industries. Mm-hmm. But because of meetings, taking clients out, entertainment, stuff like that, there's that crossover too. So where do you get most of this from when you're working? Is it in the office or was it, is it when you're out with clients or other coworkers and stuff? It's definitely outside of my company. It's outside of my office. It's people that I'm doing business with or hope to do business with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in, in all the years I've been in this industry and, and I've been around it, usually there has to be some sort of safety. So in a sexual harassment situation, the person is a supervisor, so they feel a certain amount of safety in their job. They feel a certain amount of power to kind of behave how they want. And I think the crossover for how it happens in my industry with other, all the women that I've talked to who work in this industry experience it too, but there's a certain amount of security and safety because they don't work for my company. They don't, we don't report to the same HR. We don't report to the same managers. Just to clarify, you're saying the safety of the harasser is when uh-huh. they feel entitled to do this or they feel like they can get away with it is when they know that they're in a position of power. They know that they don't work for your company. So the recourse, the the ability for you to uh, retaliate against them or complain against them is null and void. Exactly. When I've dealt with other companies myself, and it was a lot, uh, I always wanted to put on my best face. I wanted to represent my company. I wanted to represent myself very well. And so I'd always be even more professional and more on my game when I interacted with other companies, even more so than when I interacted with my own coworkers and whatnot. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it's just, it's sad to me that others feel that this is their 
out. This is their the way they can get away with this, whereas I just would not think that way myself. Right. Well, and if you look at all the situations where this happens, there's usually that commonality of the person feeling safe mm-hmm. and feeling, you know, a, a power over the other person. Usually it's a supervisor. Usually it's a, a manager. But Bill O'Reilly, in his case, he's the name of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there can't be any more security or safety than that for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump, he's he's the celebrity. He said when he made his wonderful quote that you can you can grab him by the pussy. You can do whatever because you're famous, because you're a celebrity. They let you do it. Mm-hmm. The letting you do it, that statement by itself is that's exactly what's wrong with when it does happen. And that's exactly why Billy Bush should have been terminated is because the letting it happen isn't your choice when someone grabs you. Mm-hmm. You you're not letting it happen. You've been assaulted. And when someone else is talking about it or when someone else sees it, because the person is not reacting how you think they should, doesn't mean it's not harassment. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they haven't been assaulted. That's where I mean I, I say I want to put on my best face and and have, you know, represent my company or myself very well and and just honestly, I don't have any desire to look for an opportunity to do something like that. And that's, I think, an upbringing thing, or maybe it's just a respect thing. I, I'm not looking to catcall somebody. I'm not looking to do whatever these men are looking for the opportunity to do. And I, it's something I'm trying to wrap my head around every day when I hear about it is, why would you do that? Why would you say that? What, what, what on earth makes you want to do that to a woman? When I saw that that New York uh, catcalling video, I, it was eye-opening for me. I, I did not realize that it was so uh, prevalent. Uh, I didn't think that uh, a woman could, couldn't walk down the street with, without being yelled at or engaged from 20, 30 men. And when I showed it to my wife, she was like, yeah, that, that's just how it is. <laughs> it is, absolutely. You know what's really funny about it, and I... Oh, I say funny. It, it's ironic that Donald Trump's defense on one of the women was she's not a 10. She's not even someone I would pay attention to. I have really short hair and I, I put my hair back with a big headband. And when I run and I mean, I'm wearing quarter inch sleeve shirts, you know, down over my elbows and I've got maybe capris on. I mean, I'm covered almost completely head to toe and I do not look good. I don't. There's no way I look good. And people will still yell out of their cars. I can be running with my dog. I can be running with my kids. And there will be at least one in three cars, probably. Someone's yelling something or whistling. I think it's a kind of person more than it is a subject, too. They're just that kind of person. Everyone has worked for a manager or had a even a friend maybe that is that person you know you go somewhere with them and they always stare at the waitress or put their hand too low on their back or it's it's more a kind of person it has nothing to do with the person it happens to it happens when you're with your kids yes are you kidding me (laughs) in the grocery store and at soccer games walking to the park yes it blows my mind. It's a good teaching opportunity with my boys, you know, to say this is 
this is exactly what you don't do. You know, and they're uncomfortable too. Yeah. I wish I could say it's not a common occurrence, but it is absolutely a common occurrence. Gas stations are probably the worst. I mean, I dress professionally for work and almost like it's an invitation to say something. Again, it's not a compliment if I don't know you. It's not a compliment if we're not friends or it's just harassment. If you think the last guy's rhetoric had a bad influence on the country, then I think the current guy's rhetoric is making stuff like this a little bit more prevalent and is probably adding to the problem. Absolutely. And I think the excuses that people make for him absolutely are the same excuses I hear in the workplace. You know, it's just boys being boys or she's not pretty enough. I wouldn't even hit on her because she's not pretty enough or... It's really disturbing how prevalent it is and how many people are willing to say it's not harassment mm-hmm. because it's a compliment. It's not harassment because it's just attention. And I want to roll back for another to another topic that we covered just now is when you said you don't know how to respond because you don't know how the guy's going to respond with hostility or whatever. I, I remember a time with my wife where we were at a gas station, ironically, and the gas station attendant said something to me about my wife saying, you're a really lucky man. She's, she's a hot woman or something to that effect. I didn't know how to respond because if, yeah. because if I said, dude, shut up, then is he going to get hostile with me? Am I going to pick a fight with this guy by correcting him, by telling him, don't say that? Or do I just say, thank you and move on? Because, See, <laughs> you know, that's. That's exactly what I do in those situations is I just say thanks and kind of keep my head low Mm -hmm. and keep walking. That's not the right response. That's Mm -hmm. not that that's probably encouraging the person, but it's a two minute interaction and I want to keep walking and I want to get out of the situation. I'm sure you felt exactly the same way. This is a, it's a short little interaction. I just want to get out of this situation. Yeah. I I didn't want to, stand my ground and tell him you was wrong and start this whole ordeal while I'm standing in line at a convenience store. And, and again, he's, he's the one in power. He's the, he's the one that works there. So technically I could be trying to tell you how much you're paying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or tell me I'm trespassing and I need to leave whatever the, the situation. Yeah. Kind of trying to put myself in your shoes. And then I'm like, wait, I've been in your shoes at least one time and that's how I responded. So if I'm responding that way, then I absolutely can understand why you're responding that way. I went to um, a quick trip and picked up milk the other morning, and a truck driver got out of his truck, followed me to my car, and said, hey, if I go get the bacon and eggs, are we going to have breakfast? I mean, like, and my kids were sitting in the back seat of my car. What do you say in that situation? What do you, do you think you're being... Is that going to get you a date or I don't, I don't even understand what the situation is. You're at, you're in a gas station. At least there are cameras everywhere, but I just shook my head and said, you know, we've already had breakfast. Thanks. And get in my car and leave. But why people think it's okay to do that or why people behave that way at all. I don't understand. What is he trying to accomplish with this? <laughs> I have no idea. I can't imagine that any person ever said Sure. Yeah. Go get the bacon. Go get the eggs. And, and, and sorry, being into true crime, 
when I hear a truck driver gets out of his car and follows you to your car, I'm thinking something bad. I'm that's thinking- exactly <laughs> that's exactly what's wrong in those situations where people say, you know, well, why didn't you tell him off? Why didn't you? Why didn't you say something? I you're in a vulnerable situation already. You don't want to engage the person. You don't want to start a confrontation to make your point. What what are the chances that I'm going to tell this guy something that's going to cause him to never do this kind of thing again? Very low. So my desire is always to not engage and just get out of the situation. You know, you have to defend yourself and you have your children with with you. You don't want to put them in harm's way by starting an argument. Right. It's and you don't want them to see an argument or but they have to see this poor behavior. But, you know, you can be in and out of it quickly to the point where maybe they won't notice or maybe it can just go on and and not have to have a altercation. Yeah, that, that would freak me out if if somebody jumped out of their car and followed me in a gas station. I'm sure you you know my background. I yeah. actually carry a weapon on me, you know? I have been thinking more and more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the idea of it because I do have kids. That's mm-hmm. I'm not worried about my safety with it. I grew up around guns. like, But weighing the risk between is it really going to help me in a situation where I really need it? Is it worth having it in my house with children? You know, it's more likely that your kid's going to find it and pull it out and pull the trigger. Well, and my brother and I, when my when we were growing up, we knew all about guns. We shot guns. Um, my dad never really hid anything from us, but he bought a handgun that he, and his full intention was to buy it and flip it. You know, he bought it pretty cheap from someone who was moving, and he was going to sell it to make a profit. The guy just needed some cash. And he was talking to my mom about it, and they decided to go garage sailing on a Saturday morning. My brother and I, as soon as they were out of the house, we wanted to hold that handgun. And that's always freaked me out because if my dad wasn't a responsible gun owner, if he didn't keep the ammunition in a separate place, I can totally see how those, obviously I'm a true crime fan too. I listen to your podcast and a bunch of them. And I hear all these stories of kids and I know the odds So I haven't decided what I'm going to do about it yet. In the meantime, I would just suggest pepper spray or a taser. I do. I do have pepper spray on (laughs) my keychain. Mm -hmm. And I I have a dog, too. He does not like guys. (laughs) He's a good protector for running with. And This is for either home or your car or somewhere because it's it's sort of a big can. But, you know, wasp spray? Mm-hmm. It sprays like 20 feet out as opposed to the tiny little pepper spray that you keep on your keychain. But wasp spray, if you spray somebody in the face with that, it can cause permanent blindness. <laughs> it's. I need to put that in my car. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's it's horrible stuff and it sprays 20, 30 feet out. It's not nice to, to use it on somebody, but somebody... You have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, using a gun on somebody's not nice either, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think I've heard that with um, the wasp spray, a person would have to go get medical attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it's a better chance that they could be caught too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause with pepper spray or mace, you, you can pretty much just walk that off. And I've been sprayed with both pepper spray and mace. And I, what I, were you doing, Justin? Well, I was down in, <laughs> I was down in Westport one night and <laughs> let's just say a lot of people got sprayed that night. It wasn't just me. <laughs> I was, I wasn't the intended target. 
uh, I, I will say that I was bystander. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was able to walk away from the situation and go, you know, and I was holding a pizza, a slice of pizza, just to put it plainly. I got sprayed in that in the face. It went on my pizza. I walked away, went to a bathroom, wiped my face off, and continued eating my pizza. Oh now, my gosh! Now I was a little drunk, but <laughs> well, I, that tells you if it's a, someone's under the influence of drugs, mm-hmm. it might not even phase them. I, it didn't phase me. I mean, it wasn't comfortable. I didn't wow. enjoy it. If I was in a fight or flight situation, it definitely wouldn't have phased me at all. I would have been able to continue to fight. To put That's that out there, you know, I'm just yeah. just saying. And I was in the military, and I had to go into a a gas chamber where they had tear gas, CS gas, which is pretty much mace. I was able to walk out of there, and again, it wasn't comfortable. I hated it. I wanted to get away from it, but I was still able to function and handle. Wow, I still had your faculties, and yes. My eyes were crying, and my nose was snotting, but <laughs> I could still grab a hold of something. If I want. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that's I'm just trying to, you know, people think that, oh, I can spray somebody with pepper spray and they'll just go away. No, no. (laughs) And this is something that police officers know themselves. And and people are always like, why don't they tase them? And it it doesn't always work. All the non-lethal things do not always work the way you think they should. I have a police officer in my family and he's told me, uh, for instance, my pepper spray. I told him I have one that I, I keep right next to my bed. And he said, is it sitting upright all the time? And he said the same about the one on your keychain. Is it upright all the time? And he said that the O-rings, it won't function if it doesn't stay upright all the time. And I was like, well, that <laughs> that changes everything. Yeah. You, and you just assume that you buy it and, you know, however you store it. And he's like, no, that's not. You got to store it upright. You have to replace it every few months. I say replace it once a year at least. So what, and um, he says to the weather, you know, going in and out of cold and oh, hot yeah. seasons, replace it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'm a science nerd, but that's the reason why the space shuttle Challenger exploded was the cold and hot weather that Florida was experiencing at the time. It decayed the uh, the O rings in the, uh, the field. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you go out with men from other companies and you take them out for lunch or dinner because that's what we usually do for meetings is we go out to eat and we treat them to a meal but it's a company treating them to a meal not you personally and that's your way of doing business right Right. sometimes um, I will usually try to do a coffee meeting uh, for, for a lot of reasons for one, usually there is a time frame where, you know, I, ha- I need to be at work by 8 o'clock. I need to be at work by 8.30. And hopefully that other person you're meeting also has the same kind of time frame. So you know you're going to be limited to just 30 minutes or just an hour. Mm-hmm. It's weird in the way that depending on who I'm meeting with, if it's a new meeting, if it's someone that I already know, because the industry is predominantly male, it's usually meeting with a, a male person. And the ideas of what would be good for business are the longer the meeting runs, the better, right? What's actually good for me personally and what's going to make it a higher risk situation is actually the longer time we spend together. It's almost like there are these competing ideas, you know, of, well, I want the person to be really engaged with me. I want them to be listening to what I'm saying. I want them to take my advice and let me help them. 
and I'm not collecting any checks that day either. That's kind of the different thing about the kind of sales I do. It's you're not meeting with the hopes of getting payment that day. You're just building a relationship in the way that I, I kind of compare it to dating. And I think this is what, what makes it easy for people who would behave in a way of, of harassing someone. It makes it easier because it feels like a date scenario or it, you know, you're going to a coffee meeting and you're trying to make it a meaningful interaction, right? Mm -hmm. So you're making eye contact, you're asking them about their work and what their workload is like and, and how you can help that, you know? But I think there's, there's just some people that it's a choice to misconstrue that. It's a choice to take it to mean something else. And too often it is, well, are you, what, well, I can, I can help you, but how are you going to help me? Or if I scratch your back, are you going to scratch my back? Turns into at the end of the meal, a great, for instance, and something that would never happen with a, a male who is in my industry at the end of a meal. I'll, and I'm collecting the check. I will get asked, are you using your card or are you using a company card? And I always say company card and because they're going to offer to pay. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the salesperson. The salesperson always pays, right? Yeah. But because I'm female and I can usually tell those people that are going to kind of misconstrue the situation, they're offering to pay for the check as if it were a date. If this is outside of a business situation, sure, guys offer to pay the check, but this is right. this is a professional engagement. This is a business situation. I, I guess I'm all about the free lunch, so I would never offer to pay the check myself. I'm like, you're paying it because there's no... You, you, know. you asked me out. Yeah. You asked me to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but um, that's that's usually... And I, and I will say there are plenty of, um, I mean, just gentlemen in my, in my line of business too, who they know I'm a salesperson, but they also know if I'm paying for it out of my pocket and they're offering to pay because they can put it on their company expense. Yeah. Um, I think there's, it, it's not always a situation where it's a bad sign or it's not always, you know, some people are just. They're, they're nice that way. Or I've met with people who said, hey, look, I'm really glad we got to meet. I think it's a great networking opportunity, but I, I'm not going to be able to do business with you anytime soon. Let me get the check, you know? Yeah. And that's great. That's that's completely fine. But you have to the read, other it, you, have, you, you, you read the situation and you know when it's a business convenience thing of I'm I'm going to go ahead and pay it because I'm not doing business with you or I'm going to go ahead and pay it because you're not you, I have my company card and I can you know we can buy alcoholic drinks on mine and you can't buy them on yours or whatever the situation is but you know when they're offering to pay because they've they're taking it out of context they're taking it to some exactly. other and the thing that always surprises me when it happens and it always surprises me because if I contact anyone through my work, I'm contacting you through a work LinkedIn. I'm contacting you through a work email. There's 
there's no hidden context behind that. I, I'm looking to do business with your company. It's not going to change at any time, especially because we're in the same industry. You know, if I'm, if I'm seeking you out to do business with you, it would never switch to now this is a dating scenario. And that's it. A guy would never do that to another guy. A guy would never say, hey, let me get the check. Don't worry about it. Or, or again, if we switch roles here, let's say I'm going out to meet a guy for lunch to see if I'm going to be hired into his office or see if they're going to use my software app or whatever. And the guy from the other company happens to be gay and then making a pass at me. Most men are not going to welcome that. Most men are, are going to say, most heterosexual men are going to be offended by that. Now they understand, hopefully, how you feel because <laughs> there's no interest there. There's no context there. There's no, you're not there for them. You're there for the business. You're there for the networking. And that's just how business works is you go out and you have a, a lunch meeting. You have a, a coffee meeting so you can get to know them because you're not going to bring them into your office. Right. I've talked about it with a lot, a lot, a lot of women who work in the same industry. Usually within half an hour, an hour of a meeting, there's a text message. Hey, I really enjoyed lunch. Well, now we're on a texting situation. Again, that's not business-like at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to shut it down right away. And sometimes it's either they're just ignoring all the signs that you're trying to shut them down. I've heard it over and over and over from women in my industry who are doing the same things. It's a lunch meeting. It's a, you know, hey, we talked about what you have going on. I've told you how I can help you. And then a couple hours later, it's, well, I really felt a connection. And and (laughs) because I made eye contact with you, because I acted interested, I'm selling to you. This is a sales situation. This is not a, this is not a chemistry that we're, we're experiencing. And almost every single time the person is married. Yeah. Isn't so that, isn't that great? there's even more. How are, how are you confusing this scenario? I just wish that, you know, you could find them on LinkedIn, find them on Facebook and find their wife and then just forward the, the text message to her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that would ruin your business relationship with them. It, I mean, it could ruin my reputation all around and I haven't done anything wrong. Exactly. I feel really bad for, uh, my significant other, he has to, he has to put up with a lot of stuff because I have a pretty poor and low opinion <laughs> in the area of, of um, men mm-hmm. because of because of all my experiences. Oh, I, I absolutely understand. My wife hates most men too. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. I wouldn't say I'm a man hater at all, but especially the older I've gotten, the shorter my patience. Yeah, I, my patience is very, very short. And I'm getting to the point of, you know, when I was younger, somebody would say something to me, and I would just kind of shake my head and go on. I know I should keep my mouth shut. And I have, I've told friends and family that someone is going to end up on the receiving end of something because it just gets so frustrating. It's, it's hard to keep your mouth shut. It's hard to, especially for somebody like me, it's so hard for me to keep quiet, not speak up, not retaliate. Okay. So we have men that are in a position of power or men that are away from their wives or their, their companies. 
and don't work for your company, but do you find that there's a difference between younger or older men? Is there any difference between the way they behave? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not quite middle-aged, but I'm not, I'm not really young. Most of the people I work with are anywhere from 10 to 15 years older than me and, and up. So usually people that are quite a bit older than me in most scenarios are people that are old enough to be my dad in all reality. It's weird for me because I think my dad would never, ever say something like that. My dad would never, you know, because you, you look at someone who's an age range of someone that you know who's behaving this way. And I think a lot of people say, well, that's a generational thing, or my grandpa was like that, or I, I, my dad, my dad was not like that. My dad would not behave like that in a situation like that. Uh, I've had these conversations with them, so I, I know he wouldn't. But younger guys, it's totally different. Totally different. I mean, the, there's a much higher level of respect. I don't know if they just get the situation more. You're selling. They know you're a salesperson. I think in, in some ways, it's okay to treat a salesperson badly. For instance, you know, you get a terrible cold call. Someone's trying to sell you something at home and you hang up on them. You wouldn't hang up on just anybody, right? Yeah. So, that part of the sales thing in my industry is that there are a lot of women who are salespeople. And I think it's really acceptable to say, oh, well, you have a pretty sales girl. Of course you do. All these companies, they're hiring pretty sales girls because they think that's going to be successful for their business. I find they write off my experience, my over a decade in, in an industry, if they're older where I feel like people who are closer to my age or even younger than me, they don't treat me like I'm just a salesperson. Does that make sense? It's more of a, yeah. they treat you like you're a peer, whether you're both in the same business or not. There's two things you said there. Like one, I'm very happy to hear that the younger generations are better behaved. So hopefully maybe that means that change is coming and that there is a better understanding and there is more respect happening with younger men. Uh, second, when you said they're just hiring pretty sales girls, like you can help being pretty. A woman is a woman and they that's how they were born. They can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's a weird level of body shaming on, on, a, on I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, I know. You, you can't help how you look. And it doesn't matter if you're considered good looking or not. That's just you. Right. For someone to well, ob objectify you and disregard you for the way you look. Well, and I think too, um, I'm going to reference how I met your mother. There's a uh, show where they're, they're talking about, I think they call it the bartender effect or uh, you put a girl behind a bar with two bottles of alcohol in her hands and turn on a wind machine and they, they're all attractive, right? Mm -hmm. They all look really good. <laughs> the right lighting, the it's not even... I'm very average. A lot of the women in my business, not to say that they're average, but I mean, we're, we're not supermodels. I think it's just a, I can treat you this way because you're a bartender. I can treat you this way because you're a server. The same way it is in that industry, I can treat you this way because you're a salesperson. Mm -hmm. But when I was in the military, uh, I think in my platoon, at least in advanced training, uh, there were two females. You know, imagine... 50 people in the platoon or whatever, 48 of them are men and two are women. It doesn't matter what those two women look like. They're no. getting all the attention. 
because they're yeah. women. So that's a great point. So usually at any meeting, even if there's a group of eight people, I'm probably going to be the only woman there. Mm-hmm. So proves that point exactly. And, you know, um, I grew up around the military, too. My dad had a girl who worked for him who actually ended up coming and staying at our house because she didn't feel safe in the barracks and she had been sexually assaulted while she was at the barracks. And there were people who said, well, what did you think was going to happen when you put a female with all these men? And my dad said they would think that they would treat her like they would their grandma, their mom or their daughter. Or their fellow why, soldier. Why, why would anyone say, what did you think would happen? It, it's almost like it's acceptable that, well, of course you're going to be objectified. What did you expect? So is there any major incident that's happened to you that stands out? In- so there's been a lot over the years, a lot of different ones. I've had only a few scenarios that someone physically... Um, assaulted me and I would definitely categorize it as an assault. One of my very, very, very first introductions to sexual harassment in the workplace was at 16 years old and it was my first real job. And the supervisor at the grocery store I worked at, when I would scan something twice, they would have to come over and delete it, you know, take it off and, and make a little report of it. He would intentionally come up right behind me push himself right up against me. And he did it to all of the girls. It was not because I was pretty. It wasn't because it had nothing to do with me. He did it to all of the girls because he was just a gross individual. I would do everything I could during my four-hour shift to make sure I didn't make any mistakes so he wouldn't come near me. And my dad uh, was the first one who picked up on all of a sudden I just I didn't want to go to work. I would say I was calling off for shifts. I was trying to find people to cover my shifts. My dad was asking me what was going on, and I he was like, we have to go in. You have to go to work. So he was driving me to work, and I just started bawling, and I, I told him what was happening. He went to the manager of the store. My dad handled it. I was 16 years old, but he went to the manager of the store, and they transferred the guy to a, a different store. They didn't fire him. No. They didn't. From all that I know, I don't think his pay was affected. I don't think they just, they just moved him somewhere else. And if that showed me anything, it's that. And then he had friends and family who worked where I worked. So then I was treated badly because I was the one who spoke up. You're the troublemaker. You're the one that's the the problem, not that guy. Yep. And that, so that was my first introduction to, well, this is why you don't say anything. Because it didn't, it didn't accomplish anything. It didn't make my job better. It didn't make it any less stressful. It didn't I mean he wasn't rubbing up against me anymore. But everyone was treating me badly because the manager they all liked, you know, the guys they all liked him. He was gone. That was that was the first one, and that was a very physical violation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that falls under assault, but probably pretty close. And then. 18-ish years later, I had a uh, manager who I had done business with at another company. And when I changed companies, I didn't have a contract to work with the company he worked for with a new company. So I was trying to get a new contract with their company. I had hired a few people who worked directly for him. And 
he would ask me to do happy hours at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I, even if we were doing business together, even if I was making tons of money off this, I would never go to my boss and say, I have to leave today at 145. I'm going to do a two o'clock happy hour. So he would ask, well, what about 3.30? What about 4 o'clock? What about... And every time we would do a happy hour, I would tell the waitress to bring me Sprite. And I, I would order a gin and tonic, and I would say, just bring me Sprite. He would order whiskey. He would order sometimes just beer. He would drink quite a bit and quickly. And he would tell me all about how he just he was so miserable at home. And him and his wife had just really grown apart since kids had moved out and, and just would, and I'm like, can we get back to business? Let's talk about the business. Let's talk. And I, I mean, I was very direct with him that, look, I'm, I have to expense this. I have to explain what I'm getting from our meetings. Do you have job openings? Can you help me get a contractor? If not, it's fine. Just let me know. And he, I mean, just would act like he didn't even hear me and just keep talking about his personal stuff. And I would dismiss myself. I would try because whenever I would leave a meeting, it was, well, let's hug instead of just a handshake. (laughs) After the first time of that happening, I would take a phone call and then I would just leave. I wouldn't even say goodbye. I wouldn't anything. I would cover the tab and then I would email him and say, sorry, I got called away for something emergency. And the last time he asked me to meet, I told him, look, I, you know, do you have openings? Do you have, and I basically made him give me a business case for why we should even get together. Mm -hmm. He told me he knew who did contracts. He was going to get me set up with this person so we can get on their list. And he asked me to meet him at three o'clock. And I said, I I can't do that. So it ended up being a five 30. He, I assume had been there at least an hour when I got there drinking. So he's already wasted by the time you show up. I think so. Yeah. He gave me the person's name who I needed to get in touch with, said he would make an introduction and then started talking about his personal stuff again. And I said, look, I got to get home. I have kids, you know, and I, I got up and as soon as I stood up, he stood up right behind me and grabbed me my backside and grabbed so much and had his hands so far in between and said, I knew I wouldn't have another opportunity to do that. What? In a restaurant. In a restaurant. That was, that was, um, I'm sorry. It's so cringe. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I, I looked around. I was, I was shocked. I had on, um, a pencil skirt, not Mm a, I mean, not short or anything, but it, it was, it was disgusting. It was traumatic. It was horrifying. And, I, if I, if somebody asked me before that happened, what I would do if somebody did that, I would say, I'd I'd punch them in their nose. I'd I'd kick their ass. I'd, you know, you think all these things you would do. And I just stormed out of the, I just, I just ran out of the restaurant. Because you're shocked and appalled. Bolted out of there. Yeah. I want to clarify for, not that I think anyone listening is not going to agree that you're you know, or disagree that you were assaulted. But if anyone doesn't think that that's assault, try doing that to a police officer. Yeah. See what happens. You know, yeah. go, go up behind well, the police officer. If it happened to your mother, would it yeah. be assault? Yeah. Do it to your mom or do it to a police officer. 
see how that works out, and then apply that same logic to any woman. That's how I feel about it. Most men would agree, even in a dating scenario, even if it was a date, you would not even no. pat a woman on her backside if you had been on a date and she was getting up to leave. Mm -hmm. You know, like a little friendly pat. I, you wouldn't even do that unless you were in a committed, loving, long-term relationship. So if you're grabbing and reaching and... That's absolutely assault. I, I have to admit, I am a hugger. I, I don't mind hugging people. And if in a work situation, I don't hug anyone. If I'm working with somebody for say two weeks straight and we've kind of bonded over work and you know we're trudging it out, and then on the last day everybody wants to hug goodbye, I'm okay with that. I will let them right. initiate the hug. I will not. <laughs> but in any other situation, it's just not okay handshake or just buy is is all that's sufficient most women don't want to be hugged by a strange man somebody they don't know uh, even my wife doesn't like going out with couples because she knows that their husband might want to hug her goodbye and she doesn't know how the wife's going to react to the husband hugging her right i mean there's so many well and rules you're there. always you're trying it's a professional meeting yeah. it's a business meeting so at the end of it, you know, you're, you're trying to leave the best possible impression. You, so you don't want to do anything that offends the person. So it's a weird scenario when they go in for a hug or they, you know, it's already weird because you wanted to leave this in a, Hey, you know, I've really enjoyed the time we spent together. It makes sense for us to work together. Right. Yeah. But what do you say when somebody goes in for a hug, you don't want to hug them. What do you say? You know, you don't want you're to, kind of caught. Yeah. You don't want to leave on a bad note by right. telling them no, because all that work of building that relationship and networking is now out the window. But also it's weird to me that it goes that way because if I want to leave it on a professional note, why don't they want to leave it on a professional note? You know, yeah. you would think I I've also been in situations where, you know, whether it was a comment or, or even sitting too closely, or I've been on um, sales calls with other men who worked for my company who were with me in a lot of scenarios. Um, here recently, I had a uh, coworker who was younger than me and he went on a lot of meetings. He is probably the only person who would speak up and he would do it in a joking, funny way of, well, that got awkward. But it was the, the perfect way to kind of shut stuff down, to make the other person uncomfortable, maybe question their behavior or what they're doing. And I could not pull that off as the person that's happening to. I, my whole hope in kind of talking to you about this is that other people will hear it and other people will see an opportunity to speak up and... I think especially for men, it's much easier to shut down that situation for for someone in my position if another guy is the person doing it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it sounds like your, your coworker, the younger guy, he knows how to do it in the most non-confrontational manner. He turns it sort of into a joke, but it's dead serious. You know? Well, and even other guys I've worked with, and whatever they say, 
they can say whatever they want in those scenarios. Yeah. If I say anything, then I'm ungrateful or I'm a bitch or I, I can't take a compliment or I just need to smile more. You know, I, I get those kind of responses if I'm speaking up for myself. But in other scenarios where someone else has said, that's inappropriate or that, yeah. that, that got awkward or the reaction is completely different. It's, it's a double standard, and it, it shows you a level of sexism that a man will listen to another man, but not really a woman. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say when, when it comes to that, because it's appalling to me that men behave this way, and I want to not believe it, but I get to hear about it from my wife. Uh, I get yeah. to see it on YouTube, and and then to hear all the apologists come out and say that, oh, just how bad is it? You know, it's a compliment. It's meant to make you feel better. And that's even more disgusting to me sometimes is hearing people justify it. Mm-hmm. Not, not to say that the situation or the actual event wasn't disgusting, but for somebody to back it up, I don't understand that at all. And I never will. And again, I, I just hope people will put their mother or their daughter in that situation or think if I did this to a cop, would, would he call it assault? I mean, that's to me the, the measurement there. And if they don't think that if they think this is acceptable behavior, then I'd want them to go try it on, on a police officer. I want them to go try it on somebody else's mother in front of their, their guy friend and see how it goes. Yeah. So especially in a workplace, unfortunately, I wish I could say that, It could be stopped without retaliation. I don't actually agree with that right now in most workplaces. But for someone that it's happening to in a workplace, I think their best ally is someone else, probably a male, who is also around it. But what I would say to people who witness it, if the person who you see this happening to is giggling and laughing it off, if they're not speaking up for themselves that's not the same thing as them saying it's okay. So I think a lot of people, and I've heard this over and over again, why didn't they say something before? It's not the person that it's happening to. It's not their responsibility to tell the person it's harassment. And they're in danger of losing their job. They're in danger of all kinds of different retaliation, you know, as a result of speaking up. But just because a person is laughing it off doesn't mean that they're, they don't need help doesn't mean they don't need someone to speak up for them. It doesn't mean they're complicit in it. If somebody's non-confrontational and they don't want to go up and engage or intervene, then maybe after it happens, go up and ask her, are you okay with what's happening? Or was that welcome? You know, if you don't want to intervene right at the moment, then at least ask them later after it's over, are you okay with that? And that way you'll know Hopefully they'll give you an honest answer so they can intervene in the future. They can, they can address it. They can do something. That's my way of somebody that's not very extroverted or assertive to go and, and ask. In a situation where you're at a gas station or if you, if you see someone who is kind of cornered, I, I've had plenty of waitresses help me out over the years by getting in the middle of a conversation or, you know, I think that the idea that, well, it doesn't involve me or, and this is so related to true crime too. If you sense something is wrong, if you sense that 
something is happening to someone they don't they don't want to be a part of intervene somehow somehow get in the way ask them if they're okay the bystander they call it the bystander effect in sexual harassment and it's tons of people that will come out of the woodwork after the fact and say yeah i saw that yeah i knew this was going on but while they're thinking do i intervene do i say something the person who's doing it is is getting this message of well obviously it's okay Obviously, it's acceptable because nobody's saying anything. They justify it in their own mind. And even when you do address it with them, they still think they're in the right. They're going to double down on their behavior and justify it and say, well, she was laughing or, or I, we've done this a hundred times before. And what, what am I doing wrong? Or, I'm a good guy. And it's never going to go well. And that's what I yeah. think a lot of people don't get is they're like, well, why don't you just say something? Because sometimes saying something, you know that it's not going to go well. So that's why you don't say anything. But I think people should say stuff. I, I think should, people should address it. And I I know it's not the easiest thing to do, but I'm glad that you're speaking out. I'm glad that and hopefully more people will hear this and correct the behavior when it happens. Yeah. You know, you see commercials all the time. I remember... Um... There was a commercial that was about a construction guy and all these women are, you know, staring at him and making sounds and whistling and, and they actually made a commercial out of it. It's like, okay, well that's the flip side of what that looks like, but how is that advertising? It's harassment, you know, but obviously there's still so much of it that people find okay. It shouldn't be offensive or it's. It's a downplaying of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just part of culture. It's just boys being boys, whatever. Boys being boys, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's where, you know, in high school and whatever, I, I skateboarded. I didn't hang out with the football teams and the sports guys because I didn't care for their behavior. And I didn't really care for sports much either. But it was more or less their behavior that I didn't care for. I'm sure there was a lot of good guys that were on the football team or whatever, but... Most of the time, they were either bullying me or being really horrible to women. <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't want anything it, to do with that. Well, and in those situations, I mean, that's, that's such a great example with the locker room talk with the, you know, Billy Bush not saying anything, just kind of laughing it off. His reaction when Donald Trump said, no, you can just, you can do whatever you want. And, and I, I moved in on her, you know, saying that stuff. And him kind of laughing it off. I don't actually, I don't hold any ill will towards him because in that scenario, it's kind of like you at the gas station. It's kind of like me in the, you know, in a gas station situation where somebody's saying something to you that you know is wrong. You don't want to hear. They shouldn't be saying. You should correct them. Is it the right place or time to say something? And I think the laughing reaction is, did you really just say that? That's my problem is I, I laugh at the atrocity. I laugh at the, I do too. <laughs> what the hell did they just say? Or what the hell just happened? Oh my gosh. Oh. And it has nothing to do with it actually being humorous. It has everything to do with me being shocked by it. Yeah. I, I've been in um, a couple instances, one with my cousin where a dually truck had moved over and we were in her little Cavalier car and we were in the fast lane. This dually truck moved right into the fast lane, didn't see us. And she moved kind of down into the grass. 
and you could hear the mud inside her tire well. I was laughing hysterically. I I was slid down into the seat, almost into the floorboard, and I was scared to death, but I was laughing hysterically. I thought, we're going to die, and I'm laughing. And my reaction was to just laugh. I I laugh in situations where you shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> but that's it, it absolutely does not mean that I'm okay. It doesn't mean that no. I'm not in a situation that's got me uncomfortable, scared, or that's true for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to watch it on the Generation Y because people think I'm laughing at a victim or they think I'm laughing at murder and and I'm not. I'm laughing at the audaciousness or the ridiculousness of the situation where a prosecutor goes after somebody with no evidence or they don't go after somebody when there's a smoking gun in their hand. And yeah, I, yeah I'm just, what? Really? Did that just happen? And you're laughing at this truck that almost kills you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really control your reaction to things, uh, especially, you know, the more shocked or, or scared you are. I, I hope somebody is listening to this and thinks, I know that guy at my office. And people do speak up. I think there's a lot of companies that protect people, like Bill O'Reilly, there's probably one of those people in, in most of the companies that I've had experience with. I, I know which ones they are in a small community. But if you have someone who works like someone who works for you, who is that person, get them out of your organization. You know, don't just move them to another location. There, there really should be more consequences for it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, when it falls on the accuser's shoulders, I mean, the reporting percentages are less than 30%. Less than 30% of people even report the behavior in the first place. Most companies, especially big, large corporations, have a, a privacy clause. They call them a hush clause, where it has to go into arbitration and it's never going to see the light of day. Mm -hmm. People are not going to know what happens. So it protects the person who's the harasser. It, there's no protections for the person who speaks up. I just want to clarify that so people understand. If, if a woman or anyone in the corporation has an issue with another person, especially when it comes to harassment, it goes into special operation, which is you can't call the police. You can't sue them. You have to use the company's mediation channel. Yep, yep. Whatever the retaliation is, it's usually immediate. And it, you, you have to argue if it's retaliation. Let's say you're, you know, happiest place on earth. You're getting these really crappy hours because, you know, and they say, well, that's all that's available. They can get around calling it retaliation. And there's so many ways they can retaliate against you. So many things that can happen, whether it's just making it an uncomfortable work environment. It already was. And then it just gets worse once you speak up. Mm -hmm. So that by itself can happen right away the chances that the person actually gets taken out of the workplace, that's going to take weeks, months, if at all. Yeah. Then any sort of, if you are retaliated against and you are wrongfully terminated, a wrongful termination lawsuit, when do you think that's settled? You know, years. years. Yeah. You're going to lose your car, your house, your, your family in between while you're waiting for it to be settled for something that you didn't do. I mean, it's just not, it, it's not a reasonable option. I don't really know what, the answer is for I, I, making it easier to report and making, but the one thing that every person can do is, is look out for their coworkers, look out mm -hmm. for, 
for it happening in their workplace and speak up when it does. I think you nailed it. What the answer is, is when the system or the powers that be don't have your back, you, you got to have each other's back. Yep. So, and hopefully if enough people are looking out for each other, maybe a, a woman that's working in HR that gets that report will say, okay, well, I know what the company wants to do, but I'm going to do what's right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most people... I want to say most people, this might be a little naive of me, but I, I think that if it's brought to their attention, if it's they're kind of slapped in the face with their behavior by someone they consider to be someone they respect, um, someone they call a peer, if, if it's, if it's an accident in the face, I would like to hope and think that a person would change their behavior. Mm -hmm. I, I think the person who, you know, assaulted me. I think that he, after it happened, I would venture to guess that he probably was pretty embarrassed, pretty scared, pretty, all those feelings I hope cause him to never behave that way ever again. Maybe that's naive of me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's me just being really positive. I really hope that it does curb what he would do in the future. And I hope that you know, by somebody saying something. And I, and I know I've brought it to people's attention. Like, that's really not okay to say in the workplace. You understand that's not all right, don't you? Mm -hmm. Maybe it does change people's perspective. Well, and uh, is it Deborah Carlson? I know her last name's Carlson. She sued um, the high up in Fox for sexual harassment. The only reason we heard about that on the news is because she sued him directly. She went outside of the company and she sued him person to person. So in the Bill O'Reilly cases, those were through the company. Those were settlements and they went through arbitration. They were kept quiet. I'm not sure how they can even talk about them right now. I'm not sure the legalities of that. But in most, most companies, if you do report sexual harassment via a HR line or even if you're meant to be anonymous, that already has set up a protection for the person who has committed the harassment. It's scary and sad. You say that there's under 30% reported, and you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm assuming you listened to my Why We Don't Report Rape episode. Yep. And a lot of women don't report rape. So if you can comprehend that, then you can absolutely understand why sexual harassment, which would be considered more minor, I guess. I, I hate to even use the word minor in this situation, but if rape's not reported because women know that it's their word against somebody else's or it's going to get them in trouble, there's going to be retaliation, then you can absolutely grasp why somebody would not report sexual harassment because definitely if rape's not taken seriously, then why would some guys come on be taken seriously? Exactly right. And you know, so... That situation, the last one I told you about, and it, I mean, when I was listening to the episode on why we don't report rape, the women who were talking about it and their feelings, and I obviously it does not compare, what I experienced does not compare to what they went through at all. What struck me about it was the guilt that I felt for not speaking up for myself. That consumed me probably more than any part of it because I didn't react the way I thought I would react in a situation like that. And then not saying anything for days and then weeks. And I think 
probably a couple months had passed when I heard that episode. It wasn't very long after that. I think it was still a couple months later that I finally sent you a message and said, Hey, yeah. I think this is, mm-hmm. this is something that I think would make a good episode too, because those, there's a lot of similar feelings of how do I answer for being there in the first place? I drove myself there. I put myself in this scenario. There was, there was alcohol being served, even though I wasn't drinking. Um, I was wearing a skirt, you know, whatever it is, it makes you feel like since I didn't handle it the right way, once it, at the moment when it happened, I didn't handle it the right way. Now, what do I do? Then you feel worse because you didn't do anything after the days and the weeks and, and just, just listen to those women talk about it. There's so many similarities in the person who's been victimized feeling responsible. One, I am so happy that that episode inspired you or caused some change in the way you feel about it. And two, it's horrible to hear that, you know, you drove yourself there. There was alcohol. You were wearing this because we would never think, well, the man drove himself there. He was wearing a suit. So what was he trying to portray? Uh, he, He's married. <laughs> you know, it's, if, if we apply those rationale to the man, it sounds ridiculous. But somehow it's acceptable when it's applied to the woman. Like, really? <laughs> Just I, I always look for the equality. And even when it's accusing or blaming or whatever, I'm so much for equality. It's like when I hear a, a female teacher sleeps with a younger you know, male student, I'm like, no, if you switch the roles there, and if that was a 40-year-old man sleeping with a 13-year-old girl, that would be rape, and he would be thrown away in jail. So let's let's go for equality here. And when it comes... I, oh, man, that <laughs> makes me mad, too, when I hear those stories, and there are guys saying, oh, I had a crush on my teacher, or that's a normal thing for a child to feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's still a child. Yes. <laughs> It's... They've been victimized. It does not matter, male or female. No. And I, I think there are absolutely women who who sexually harass too. Yeah. I... So I want to throw yeah. that out there. I, I yeah. know that happens too. Mm-hmm. The idea that it would be any different yeah. if the situation were turned around. I mean, if, if I were if if I were the person who was grabbing a guy, it would be sexual harassment just the same. It would yeah. be a sexual assault just the same. It, there's no well, it's different because Yeah. It's a guy or it's different because it's a female teacher. I'm just all about absurd. I'm all about the role reversal and seeing if it applies both ways. And we know it doesn't. Uh, But it's it's just one of those things where would we ever look at a man and say, well, he drove himself there with this intention. He was wearing a suit and tie. So he was sexualizing himself. I mean, (laughs) people don't don't do that. Uh, you know, he was talking about his personal life. He yeah. <laughs> was saying he's unhappy in his marriage. That's just the way I think is if, if it's okay here, then why would it be okay there? Or if it's not okay here, then it definitely is not okay there. And hopefully people can get that through their thick skulls when they hear this and mull it around. I hope a so. <laughs> I hope someone hears it and thinks this is me or I've behaved this way or, and honestly, I hope the person who did this to me, hears it. I hope it worries them. I hope it bothers them. I hope he's losing sleep over it and wondering, am I going to get a knock on my door one day? And somebody's press charges or, you know, there's much more protection for the person who commits these acts and the fallout of it. You know, the person who it's happened to, it doesn't, 
that never even becomes part of the story, you know? I thought it was absolutely worth covering and talking to you when you wrote in. I was like, yes, let's talk about this. <laughs> and, and it needs to be said. And I know I'm I'm male. I, I know that I am cannot walk in the same shoes as any female in this world. But I hope that I came off okay. I hope that I don't sound too naive or too ignorant to the topic because I know that I can't totally relate because I'm not female. I have no idea what it's like. Well, I think um, the fact that you've watched the catcalling video, I mean, that says that you you definitely, you know, it's a real thing. It's really happening. It was eye-opening for you. You, Your wife tells you the stories. I mean, it's hopefully it starts happening less. Hopefully, I'm like you. I have promise with the younger generation because it, I, I don't know any guys my age or younger who behave that way, who yell at a girl on the street and certainly anybody that I knew whoever did they they'd get a near load from me so yeah <laughs> maybe you know people talking about it and calling it out and more of those videos and and these women coming forward I think it's really brave and I, I want to finish this with I don't think anything we said here has anything to do with politics or anything to do with trying to demonize one set of men <laughs> it's it's really a behavior that i think we're talking about here i don't care what what someone's beliefs are politically or about guns or anything like that it's this is about sexual harassment this is about shitty men's behavior it, it doesn't matter what your background is don't do it yep yep to build on that point so even the person who thinks well i'm just paying you a compliment the person that you're saying it to, they don't know what else is behind that. They don't know what you're going to say next. They don't know what's going to happen next. And that's a scenario that you shouldn't even be starting. Does that, does that make sense? So you say, well, I'm just paying her a compliment. It's, it's nothing, but whatever she says back in response, are you putting yourself in danger by saying thank you? Are you putting yourself in danger by saying screw you? It's the fact that you don't know what their intentions are after that. Just one compliment. It may not be just one compliment. It may be a follow you to your car afterwards. It may be a then you walk outside of work the next day and there's that person sitting again or you don't know what's behind that, you know, and that person could just not do it in the first place. Exactly. If you don't know the person, if you don't, don't say anything. I mean, I would like to think that most people don't want to make another person feel uncomfortable, scared, vulnerable, right? Exactly. So if you don't know them, don't, don't approach somebody. Don't say anything. Thank you again, Jennifer, for coming on the show. It was a wonderful conversation. Uh, the next episode, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Everyone knows that I'm not a true crime show, but people do have mysterious deaths in their family. Sometimes they don't get the closure that they're looking for. So stay tuned for that. <laughs>